guys, I am fantasy author J.H. Fleming. And I'm best-smelling author Philip Dreyer Duncan. <laughs> and with us this evening are a few of our other best-smelling authors. Um, we gave them super ample notice. We planned this out weeks and weeks in advance. Or 15 minutes ago, I was like, hey, Julie Jones, hey, Shane Eason, can you come join the podcast again real quick? And they were like, yeah, of course, why not? So welcome back, guys. How's it going? We are glad to be here. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for asking. The thanks mm-hmm. for joining us last minute, even with like Shane even asked, like, what are we talking about? And I was like, mm, I just garbled some words at them. They said, I don't actually really know why they're here. Um, <laughs> so I guess uh, it's an announcement time. Um, this will be the last podcast of the year because we're going to take a little holiday mm-hmm. break. So, um, yeah, we're going to close out the year on episode 30. And we thought we would um, bring some old friends back who've been on before. And we've got a sort of a theme planned. Well, okay, not we. I have a theme planned. And not even JH really knows what I want to talk about. Because I just didn't share with anyone. I thought about it very thoroughly when I was in the shower this morning, though. That gives you any hope or fear. How long was the shower? It was so long. (laughs) You were in there a while. Way to make it weird, Shane. I was thinking very deeply about this topic. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, So, anyway, um, before we do that, I thought maybe uh, just a few things about the podcast, because this was our first year. We launched in, was it May? June? I don't even remember now. June. June. It was June. So we launched in June. 30 episodes. Um, cool thing. I don't know if I've really talked about it before, but um, I just wanted to pull this up and just go through it real quick. We've had obviously lots of listeners in the United States, but we've had Canadian listeners. No big surprise, obviously. Shane's on, right? So he's Canadian. All the Canadians love him. Um, but we've had we've had uh, listeners in the United Kingdom, Ireland. Actually, somebody in Ireland, like, Shout out to whoever listens to us in Ireland. You're my hero. They've been mm-hmm. there from like very early on listening to every episode. I think it's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Portugal, Italy, France, Mexico, New Zealand, Iran, Japan, the Philippines, the Netherlands, and Iceland. I think that's uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. That's, yeah. that's excellent. That's amazing yeah. reach. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought that um, we could say our our listeners were international, but they are listening to a couple of hillbillies. <laughs> Speak for yourself. I am speaking for you, hillbilly. Well, congratulations <laughs> and well done, you guys. Thank you, Julie. Appreciate it. Yeah, you guys have done great 30 episodes. Well done. Thank mm-hmm. you, Shane. Appreciate it. Um, there's been a lot of a lot of fun. There's been a lot of shenanigans. There's been a lot of like kind of behind the scenes shenanigans like um julie's episode helped us learn all about making sure people stayed on and getting their stuff uploaded oh that was not a good time guys the the podcast was great fun but the seven hours of uploading could have really done without i think but it was ultimately a hundred percent right I would do it tonight if I needed to, but hopefully things are working correctly for me this evening. Yeah. We shall find out. We've had lots of pets on. There have been, I wouldn't even mm-hmm. be able to count how many 
Um, doggies have barked on the podcast. Right. Um, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a great like way to, um, I don't know, it's been a good excuse to talk to some of our favorite people, like Julie and Shane, for example, Tracy, um, JC. But then there's also people like we hadn't really talked to in a while. So it was like really cool to reconnect, like David Peterson early on and Gary Phillips. And then, you know, even new people that we met and brought on like Louisa. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people still. I mean, I've got a giant list of uh, people we've talked to about, about coming on. So we'll go into the new year with tons of new guests and maybe some new ideas and maybe do some like themed episodes like this one. So hopefully people like what we're going to dish out this episode. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know, Jay, should you have anything else that I'm not thinking of that's worth calling out as far as the first year? Um, no, I think, I mean, I agree. I think we've had a lot of really cool people on. We've, you know, been able to kind of figure out our own kind of rhythm of, you know, this is how the episode works. This is, you know, what we tell guests and what they need to know. And like just kind of getting all that down at the beginning, you know, we had no idea what people needed to know or any of that, but we've kind of figured it out. And, um, that part's kind of a no brainer now. But, um, I think, yeah, like looking at those early episodes to now, like we've come a really long way and that's something to be proud of, I think. Yeah, I think so too. And we've had, man, there's been some wild stuff too. Like when we recorded with Lee and like that, like we just got away like 10 minutes in and like a tornado flew overhead and like we lost internet and he just stayed in here talking to himself for like 10 minutes and he's like I don't know what's (laughs) happening I can't I couldn't like we had no cell service no internet no nothing poor guy's just in here talking to himself um he was super gracious about it like he he just hung out and um I think that ended up being one of my favorite episodes is when we were able to get back in with him and we just started over and um yeah he was super cool uh, so shout out to him. Shout out to all of our one. guests. Everyone's that's, been super amazing. That's a dedicated guest. Yeah. 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 Lee's amazing. Right. <laughs> Plus he told mm-hmm. us the juggling thing, which, which still makes me yeah. laugh. Like when I decided to give up on writing, I thought I'd just become a juggler. Cause that would be easier. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's amazing. Sounds, sounds about right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, thank you everyone who's listened this far and, uh, hopefully you stay with us into the new year and, uh, we will, we're going to do this a little different. We're going to do the news first today. There's just a few things to cover and then we're going to get into a, get into our theme. All right. We just have a few news stories tonight and we'll go through them a little quicker, maybe than normal, or maybe we won't, I guess it just depends on if everybody wants to talk about them. Uh, our first one, I think everyone in the author world has has heard already because I've seen it all over all the social media. Um, and frankly, it just goes to show that you should be listening to our podcast because it wasn't but just a few weeks ago that we pointed out that only you can prevent review bombing. And mm-hmm. if this author had been a listener to the podcast they probably would have known that review bombing all the other authors with similar books was probably not a great idea. Um, but then again, 
If you're smart enough to listen to this podcast, you're probably smart enough to know that without us telling you. <laughs> that would be my assumption. So yeah. the, the story goes, this is, uh, I'm, I'm pull, I pulled it up from NBC News. Um, and effectively what has happened is an author who, uh, I don't know if it's their real name or a pen name, Kate Corrine, um, is suspected of using Goodreads to set up fake accounts and review bomb people, uh, other authors with, with similar books in her, her category, right? Uh, she's a first-time author, and her book uh, hasn't even come out yet. Uh, but as a result of this, uh, it sounds like uh, the publisher has pulled the book, her agent has cut ties. Uh, it's not mm. a good deal. It's not good. Yeah, I saw on her um, her Twitter page, she posted an apology, and I'm doing air quotes, because um, it was really like a lot of people commented kind of calling her out on it, how it wasn't really an apology. She was blaming it on like mental health issues and a change in her medication and whatnot. But one thing they all called out that um, I don't see mentioned here was that I guess like the authors she targeted, not only were they in the same sort of like genre, but they were all... Um, like people of color authors. So now like everyone's accusing her of racism on top of that. Oh, wow. Probably a good time to shut down the Twitter. Not, not cool. Shane, that yep. is put in the most polite way possible. Just, what a monumentally dumb thing to do. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I saw so many comments asking like, Oh wait, so which medication made you a racist? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Good question. And also, how does she have time for this? I would think, wouldn't her energy have been right. better spent just writing her next book? I don't understand the mentality mm-hmm. of this in any way, shape, or form. Just, I mean, she's done. This is it for her, I'm pretty sure. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, she was claiming something about some sort of anxiety about her book and it not doing as well as others and so like that kind of triggered it but who knows really well join the club don't we all have that anxiety right yes absolutely. just don't do it whatever's going on listen i don't care what's going on in your life do not review bomb other authors right in the famous words of craig martell the rising tide lifts all boats right We're, we're all in this together we're not really this is the thing about being an author right we're not really comp- we're not really each other's competition, right? The majority no. of readers out there, like, even if they're your most dedicated fan and you put out a book a month, if they're like a hardcore reader, they still have space to read so many other people, right? So mm-hmm. there's just no reason for it. Like, we have to support each other and just don't do bad things, right? Yeah, I was going to say the same thing, Phil. I mean, we're all in this together. If, if you need help, ask for it, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. My favorite thing is to see places where I can plug my friend's books and say, try this, try this, try this. That, mm-hmm. I yeah. love that. That's my favorite thing right. in the yeah. world. I love to do that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah, and at that level where – so she was um, – was it Del Rey she was going to publish with? Is that yeah. right? Yeah. So she would have had her agent, all of the 
editors and any other people at the publishing house to interact with. She'd have, you know, other authors either as friends or who were also represented by her agent, like all these different people she could reach out to about any anxiety or fears she has about her book. And it doesn't sound like she took advantage of any of that. Yeah. And well, and Del Rey's going to take, so just from a business standpoint, Del Rey's going to take a loss on this, right? Because they would have already paid their mm-hmm. editing staff. They would oh, have already yeah. paid for the cover. They would have already paid for promotional yep. stuff. Um, so for them to pull it, like that's, uh, yeah, it's not good. Yeah. It was at the ARC stage. I saw other people um, like with pictures of the ARC copy and excited to read it and whatnot. So they'd already oh, yeah. sent it out to you know, those early those. reviewers mm-hmm. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on from the negativity. I got more fun negativity down the road. Let's get to the next story. (laughs) Um, I guess the next one's just sort of an update that Penguin Random House has acquired Hay House. And I don't recognize Hay House just by the name, but it looks like it was like a self-help and wellness um, publishing house. Is that right? Sure. I can't read that sc- the screen that you've got. Uh, <laughs> yes, it is a self-help and health and wellness publisher. Yep. Um, been around since 1984. Uh, it looks like they're basically, they're, they're swallowing them up underneath Penguin Random House, but it sounds like they're planning to yep. still let them run sort of independently. So, um, nice. Yes. Yeah, one of the big five picked up another one, another little one, right? Right. All right. Um, this last news story, <laughs> It's not really a news story so much as something I found in the uh, Kindle Direct Publishing forums, and it made me laugh a lot. Speaking of um, authors not being nice to each other and or being helpful to each other. So somebody had posted, this was from yesterday morning, and this person posted uh, in the KDP forums, why my novel only achieved $2 only after six months. My sci-fi novel is an extremely authentic and inspired from actual events, and it's nearly 99% a handmade novel. I ran many campaigns with highly selected keywords, but still no sales. I'm quite sure that if it has the chance to be read, read, it will achieve much more sales. Why do you think this is the case? All right. <laughs> so this this person responds and says, let me check my crystal ball. Dang, still broken. We don't know because we don't know anything about your book. You can make all the claims you want, but if you want real honest feedback, tell us the title or the ASIN or ISBN and we can look at it. I will give you fair warning. We are publishers and authors and we are brutally honest. And so the person responds, sure, dear. And I trust people here. That's why I asked in the forum. And then they provided the ASIN. (laughs) The person responds, first, do not call me dear. Second, your cover is grainy and not very appealing. Your subtitle is stuffed with keywords, and I'm surprised it wasn't blocked. Your description is in all caps and is extremely generic. It's only 62 pages, so it's quite a bold claim to label it as epic. You call yourself a doctor on the cover but have no credentials in your bio. Your formatting needs work. If you're going to use dates as headers, do not use drop caps. Your use of all caps for the beginning sections is a weird choice. In your very first paragraph, you reference dawn, morning, night, etc. as all current times. Your jumping around makes no sense to the reader. Your page breaks make no sense. You write like you're trying to make the mundane magical. You tell and don't show. You need to study the genre you're publishing in and seriously reconsider the story. Okay. Pretty decent feedback, probably. I don't know. I haven't looked at the book. But the original poster comes back and says, Your feedback is appreciated, but your tone is not allowed or welcome. Dear, 
in parentheses. <laughs> you're aggressive, impolite, and your feedback is about letters formatting still. Where is the core feedback, dear? <laughs> so, so then the person comes back and goes, listen, champ, you came here and asked a question. I warned you that we were are blunt and brutal. That is what you got. Do you really think I'm going to buy your small book and provide detailed feedback? No, that would be a waste of my time. My tone is whatever I choose it to be, whether you like it or not. The only person being impolite is you. Using an overly familiar term with a stranger when told not to is very rude. But hey, if using it makes you feel better about your book, then I guess carry on. <laughs> so then the original person comes back and says, first, don't call me champ. Second, I didn't ask you to buy anything. Third and most important, I came here for feedback for improvement. Whether destructive or instructive, it reflects the person anyways. Other feedback points are appreciated. <laughs> uh, it looks like there might have been more, but I think maybe, uh, I don't know if the Zahn stepped in and clipped some of them out, but uh, I thought it was newsworthy. Wow. <laughs> the internet's a wild place, man. <laughs> It really is. Listen, champ. Listen, champ. I'm not your buddy, pal. I'm not your pal, guy. I'm not your, <laughs> not your guy, friend. Not your guy, friend. Not your guy, buddy. You, you, you missed the one part there where the author the author put in, when he called the other fellow impolite, he put in parentheses, um, sorry. Sorry. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you might be Canadian. Might be Canadian there. <laughs> Called someone in flight and then oh, apologized man. for it. <laughs> <laughs> Shane, I, I go back to I don't think that other Canadians would do that. I think that's just you, man. <laughs> well, there's proof right there. Oh, I don't think this person's Canadian. No. Oh man. I kind of hope not. I will say this: there is a there is a writing page on Facebook that I won't name because I'm just not going to name it. But I only follow this page because I I hate follow it because they're so rude and so ugly to each other that mm. I I kind of just go there to be like this is crazy, you know. It's, That's it's a, amazing. Can you send yeah, it to me afterwards? I will. I will tell you what it is later. And the yeah, the person that runs right, it cool. is is a very interesting individual. But I I basically just hate follow this page mm. because they are so ugly to each other. <laughs> it's just Love crazy. It. Yeah. Wow. So there was a um, oh man, this is a long time. It's like ten years ago or something. Um, like right when I first started writing, I, I joined a whole bunch of writing groups on Facebook. Right. And there was this person who like system, like systematically went through every group on different days and trolled the entire group. And it was so epic. Like they had some sort of thing where they would be like, um, they would just like, they would join the group and then they would make a post and they'd just be like, I'm looking for a ghost writer. And people would be like, hey, you don't need a ghostwriter. This is a writing group. You can write your own book. And they'd be like, no, no, no. I need a I need a ghostwriter. Um, I'm I'm wanting to write. They're like, uh, they'd be like, I'm a man and I and I want to write a um a lesbian prison novel, a, a lesbian romance prison novel. And people would be like, all right, well, um, like you can do it. You don't need a ghostwriter. And as soon as like that would start, they would just like be like, shut up shut up you 
that's not what I asked for. I need a ghostwriter. People would be like, well, hey, don't be rude. And they'd be like, you're rude. You're stupid. And like they would just absolutely – and it would blow up and there'd be hundreds of people responding to this person, right? And they would be telling them all to shut up. Like just – like <laughs> the funniest one is like – they went into one group and I laughed me like my dad and I laughed still every once in a while. My dad still will make this comment to me because <laughs> I showed him. I went into one and they, they did their little whole spiel. And the first person to respond was somebody named Leslie. And they wrote this really nice, like, if you believe in yourself and you believe in your story, you can write it. You can become a good author. They wrote this really nice thing. And the person just responded back. Shut up, Leslie. <laughs> Every time would just absolutely explode. There would be hundreds oh of gosh. people trying to call this person out, and they would just be, oh man, they'd just be picking through. It. Just, every day they picked a new group to go to go troll. It was amazing. Oh. Wow. <sighs> people. Imagine having that kind of time on your hands. Right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, all right. Well, I guess that's our news. Are we ready to uh, get into the meat of the show? Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Yeah. All right, guys. So what I really wanted to talk about this episode and spend the bulk of our time on, I kind of want to do this a little bit, maybe more like a, like a panel at a convention other than me just ranting for a minute to kind of set things up. What I want to talk about for this last episode of the year is I want to talk about our artist Verse our business person a little bit. And I want to do this right now because we're coming up to the end of the year and I know I'll be setting new goals for next year. And I imagine a lot of people will be setting goals. There'll be goals related to their writing. Hopefully if they're listening to this podcast, um, they might be health goals. They might be other goals. Right. And so I thought it would be good to do an episode where we talk about, some strategies, some sort of um, businessy sort of strategies, and maybe some strategies about how we set up our goals and how we view them and how we challenge ourselves with things, right? So for the listener, just to start this off, um, there needs to be a level of... Um, maturity for this conversation. And I don't mean that in the way that I'm definitely going to say stupid things and we're probably all going to laugh a little bit, hopefully. Um, I mean that in the sense of how you, how you think about things, right? So in my day job career, I've been managing people for a long time. And one of my biggest pet peeves I run into is when somebody makes a mistake or something happens and you have to talk to the person and they go, oh, am I in trouble? Am I in trouble? Uh, no, you're not in trouble. You're never in trouble. You're an adult. We don't do trouble. This isn't grade school. This is what I always tell my people, right? We don't do trouble. That's not a thing, right? This is a business. I'm a business person. You're a business person. And my job as your manager is to make sure you succeed at whatever you're doing, right? And when you don't succeed, my job is to come show you how you can succeed. When you are succeeding, my job is to show you how you can succeed more. 
So it's a basic business transaction, right? So if I have to have a talk with somebody because they messed something up, it's not because they're in trouble or they made a naughty, right? They're not going to the principal's office. It's that we're paying them to provide a service effectively, right? And they're falling flat in some capacity. And that's okay, right? It's not the end of the world. You're not in trouble. You're not going to sit and time out. And the reason I want to start with that is because sometimes I think we need to be able to have those same conversations with ourselves, right? Because, you know, there's sort of the stereotype of the creative being sensitive, right? Or struggling with bad feedback and that sort of stuff. But I think for some of us, the worst feedback comes, the heart, the feedback we take the hardest is from ourselves, right? And so for part of this conversation, we need to be able to take, we need to be able to come to it with that sort of a mindset. And frankly, if that's the mindset you take into your day job, it doesn't matter if you're the CEO of a Fortune 500 company or you sweep the floor at Taco Bell, right? If you take that mature approach, that mindset of, I'm never in trouble, this is a business transaction, right? You take the emotion out of it and you approach your your mistakes as this business transaction just isn't transactioning the way I need it to, ergo, I need to make a change. Um, that will serve you in life. It will serve you in your author business and it will serve you for this conversation a little bit um, because I want to talk about failure a little bit and even dive into some of my own. And I want to preface it that way because otherwise it might seem like um, I'm beating up on myself, but that's not really the, the case, right? It's, I need to be able to sit down and have a business meeting with myself sometimes to make sure that I'm aiming the right direction to achieve the goals I want to achieve. Right. And one of the things that happens is we have a tendency to self-justify, right? We have a tendency to make excuses for ourselves and buy into them. Sometimes, though, maybe we're too hard on ourselves and we have to balance that out too, though, right? So um, just to set it up, I'm going to talk about one of what I consider my biggest failures as an author, right? And this isn't like, you know, again, we're going to bring the maturity to the conversation of is I'm going to approach this like I'm having a business meeting with myself rather than just I'm feeling sorry for myself or I'm beating myself up or or I hate myself or something stupid like that, right? I need to be able to look at the mistake I made and I need to be able to understand what I did, how I did it, um, and what I need to do differently in the future, right? So my first example would be a historic mistake from a few years ago, right? And that is when I launched my Blade Mage series. That launch went pretty stinking well and I actually don't really talk about it too much because it's actually something of a source of embarrassment for me because I didn't capitalize on an opportunity. So whenever I launched that book series, my plan was to have more books ready than what I did. And I was convinced I could stick to the schedule. But in reality, what it actually, I didn't though, right? And, and, the, and the series fell flat as a result. Um, but during the launch, the books I had ready actually, for a short amount of time, technically was a bestseller. But I wasn't able to maintain that because I didn't have the books ready that I was supposed to. Now, 
what does that mean, right? What, what happened? Did I oversell myself on a concept? I think that's probably likely. And that's something I see in the business world often, right? Is we over, people oversell what they can deliver. I oversold what I could deliver to myself. Um, I think I've mentioned before, I used to work in software development. And I just recently was talking to one of my former customers. And we were talking about how the developers could never deliver when they said they would. And I told him, I said, yeah, frankly, whatever time they gave me, I always times it by three because I knew that that was closer to the real time frame, right? So I, so I said, you know, if they told me it would take a week to get this piece of work done for you, I'd tell you three weeks because I knew that that was closer to the truth. And he laughed and he said, yeah, I would go tell my leadership it would take five weeks. And that way we came in on time, right? Um, so it's important to be able to identify when you do that to yourself, right? So when you're setting up your goals for the year, um, are you overselling what you can deliver for yourself? Are you, you know, it's important to make goals that challenge you, but are you going to oversell? Are you going to end up putting yourself in a spot where I did, where I couldn't get the books done on time. And instead of making an intelligent decision to hold the launch and reassess, I powered forward anyway, because I wanted to, which led to another bad mistake in which I took a book that got too big on me and I split it into three and the readers were not happy with me. Right. So then I just stacked my mistakes. Um, so I think that's a piece for when you're setting your goals for this year. One is, are you overselling to yourself what you're capable of accomplishing next year? And I will shut up for a moment to see if anybody else wants to chime in on that. That's some good, that's some deep stuff, Phil. That was, that was a long shower. I, I told you we were going to yeah. go hard in the paint tonight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, going back. So when you say you, you, you touched on having other books ready. So what you're saying is that you should have had more books written. When you go back, you should have had more books written and ready to go. Is that what you're saying? Yes, sir. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. No, you, you well, yeah. I mean, Philly, I mean, you, you touched on a lot of stuff there and going back to, you know, people being in trouble and making mistakes. I mean, I started my business 20 years ago and I, I've been making mistakes for 20 years, right? I've been yep. making mistakes and learning from them. And that's one of the, that's one of the reasons how I became successful because I learned from my mistakes. And whether you're, whether you're in business, whether you're in writing, it doesn't matter what you're doing in life, you're going to make mistakes. Learning from them is important. If you're making the same mistakes again and again and again and not learning from them, then what you're doing is not for you. You're not passionate about it, right? And I think that's I think that's a key factor in what you're talking about. You're very passionate about your work. I can hear it in your voice. You know, you're you're a passionate writer. I, I I've known you for a little while now, and I can. This is this is who you are. You're and you're driven. You're driven to succeed. And the fact that you're talking about this and want to be better, you're you're clearly moving in the right direction. You're learning from yourself, right? Yeah, and I think that's the key, right? Failure is your friend unless you unless you don't learn from failure or your failures because you didn't even try, right? Yeah. I think yeah. a cornerstone of that is learning how to develop the skill of being really real with yourself. Mm -hmm. Really taking yourself to task, really being accountable for your own actions, and really... Um, understanding how you work as a person, because 
if you are not a morning person, it's not going to work for you to get up at 5 a.m. and write for two hours before work. You're, you're going to be miserable doing that. Mm -hmm. You need to find what is going to work for you and then make it work for you. But in order to do that, you really have to be real with yourself about what your needs are as an individual, what your goals are as an individual, and how you work and what the best things are for you for the long term. And these things require some very serious and very intense conversations with yourself. Yep. Right. One of the toughest challenges we all have is being honest with ourselves, right? Understanding what our true capabilities are. What we, what we want to accomplish and what we really can. And, you know, a lot, a lot of young people struggle with that, I find. You know, you, you come out of high school and you got stars in your eyes, right? And you just, you want it, you want everything. And at some point, yeah. you know, most people, they got to, I mean, I, I did. I mean, you got to look in the mirror at some point in your life and understand, you know, what's, what's attainable for yourself and, and respect that to a point. Yeah, adding on to that, um, speaking for myself, um, I am very much a planner type personality. So even if I weren't a writer, like I would have plans around like this is my schedule every single day. These are the things I want to accomplish. I would do that um, probably if I, if I didn't have the book focus, like it would be on like books I'm reading and games I'm playing with like strategies for <laughs> next time I play, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, and I'm going to read this many chapters of this book. And I'm going to read this many books this year and have it like like, that's just my personality. I plan everything. But from a writing perspective, what that allows me to do, it means I go a little bit overboard with planning out like what books I'm going to work on for the year. But it also means like when I'm, I use like a ton of different word trackers and that actually lets me see the data of like, okay, how long did it actually take me to write this book? So is three months a good, you know, metric of like, okay, I can do a first draft in three months or is it going to be more like, four to six months. So I like that my personality tends that way because then I can see those. And then over time, see like a trend, like, okay, yeah, I managed this book in three months, but this one took me seven. And then they kind of figure out, you know, what's my average. And that becomes more of like the realistic goal. So I've already got like my 2024 stuff down, but because I'm, constantly tracking I'm also constantly tweaking and realizing like okay this isn't going to work so I'm just going to tweak it right here and I'll do that down to the very last minute um to me it's like seeing what the status of something is and adjusting appropriately like just on the fly so you but always having that look ahead to like what's coming next so you plan everything out but then you approach meeting mm -hmm. that plan with some flexibility in case um, yes, it's not going to pan out for you exactly the way you wanted. I think that's right. important so like for I you may to plan know about to yourself. Write, yeah. Yes, absolutely. And if I didn't have that planner part of my personality, like I probably wouldn't know any of that. I'd just be writing books like, oh, finish it at some point. But <laughs> because I've been tracking this for so long and I'm such like a hardcore planner, like I – I have a pretty decent idea. Like for the last, I don't know how many years I'd have to pull up my Airtable database, but my average is two books a year as far as writing first drafts. Um, this year I've managed three and most of a fourth. I still feel like that's probably a fluke and I'm going to aim for two. But um, yeah, I wouldn't know that if I weren't 
such a planner and tracker. <laughs> but that goes along with what we're talking about. Like you, you know, mm-hmm. you managed four, but you know that probably two is a realistic goal for next year. Mm-hmm. And if you do better than that, that's great. And, you know, you'll probably meet that goal. So I think it's important. Right. You know, you can be real with yourself to the point that it's it skews towards the harsh. And I think that you need to temper it with a little bit of grace um, for yourself. The same grace that you would show to anyone else who's trying to do something really difficult and has set some personal goals that they're trying to meet. You know, you right. would, you would have grace for them maybe falling a little short here and there. So I think you should you should have that same grace for yourself. You know, I my goals are a little bit looser. My plan was to have all four books written and out this year, and it didn't happen. One thing and another. Um, mm. So I adjusted my goals, and uh, I'll have at least three of them out by next spring, and the fourth, you know, in the process of being written, and that's okay. It it, it happened the way it happened. I right. I didn't set a hard. I have to reach this date. Uh, deadline for myself because I I mm. knew through experience that I might not make it and so but I had the uh, right I had the um sorry my brain's not coming up with the word because it's seven forty five at night I had the <laughs> um discipline to get myself to the keyboard every day so right so despite having looser goals I still found what I needed inside to get myself to the keyboard every day and get the books written. Yep. Yeah. We were talking about with the flexibility that um, was actually one thing I did struggle with at first. Like I can be very hard on myself if like, if I have a plan and I know I need to get this many words per day on my novel and life happens and I don't get that many words. And it's very easy for me to get very grumpy about that, to see myself as falling behind. But at some point, like I take a step back and like, okay, I set this deadline. Obviously it's not going to happen. So let's figure out, like I was saying, it's kind of figuring out the status of where the book is now. What is the realistic deadline now? That was what it was then. Things have changed. What is it now? And just figuring that out. So that's actually, a, um, actually, I think everyone's touched on it a little bit. And that's why I wanted to um, start the conversation where I did, right? Because I think it's important when you go to have these challenging conversations with yourself that you can do it in that way where you can take out the emotion, right? So you Mm -hmm. need to create the perfect manager, if you will, in your own brain who can step aside from how you're feeling, right? So it's like, oh, I, I I, you know, I didn't meet this goal. I'm so disappointed. I'm so angry at myself. I always let myself down. You need that other side of the voice that goes, okay, so you did, and you feel bad about it. Okay, that's oh, that's fine. You can feel bad about it. But what do we need to look at? Why did we fail? And what do we need to do differently, right? And what do we understand about ourselves as a result? How do, we, how do we turn this around and go get the result we need to, right? What changes need to be made, essentially? What changes right. need to be made? Yeah. What are we trying to achieve, right? Um, so then just going back to my, um, that first example, and I've got a few more to touch on, um, but what ended up happening with that book series is when the one book got too big and got outside of my control, 
uh, not outside of my control. It got bigger than I intended it to. Um, and I guess that's what I mean, but it got outside of my control. I had a plan for how many words I wanted to keep it at. It started getting too big. Um, and instead of reeling it in, I said, let's write this book to what, to what it is. Um, and if I have to, I'll split it up. Right. And I've, I've heard people will make that comment. Hey, joke about the, uh, 271,000 word book I've got in the oven right now. And, uh, people are like, can't you split it? And I was like, nope, I've learned my lesson about that. Um, and I knew better, right. People had told me, you know, in the urban fantasy realm for, um, indie that trying to serialize books does not tend to work very well. Right. I didn't go into that mm. thinking I knew better. I went into it going, this book's gotten too big. I want to be able to do this launch. I could turn this book number three into book three, four, and five. And if I put them all out together, you know, all a month apart, then hopefully nobody will be upset that it's serialized because they'll just transition flawlessly. And, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that I knew better. I, I, I knew I was wrong, but it was the easy way to get where I wanted to go in the short term. And as a result, it hurt me in the long term, right? And as a result, I convinced myself I could get the next book ready and out within that 90-day window that I needed to. Um, and then I didn't, right? So I don't sit there and beat myself up about it, but I have to stop and go, okay, so what happened, right? I oversold myself on how much I could deliver. I ended up with a book that got way too big. And instead of making the smart decision and slowing things down, I rushed, rushed, rushed. And I had a brief moment in the sun and then it faded away. And now that series, which I dearly love, um, has, you know, it's flatlined for the last couple of years as I've slowly been rebuilding back up and figuring out how to fix it. Right. Um, which I will do. And I am, I am in the process of, um, I've got two full novels ready to go. Almost. I got one and I'm writing the last battle scene of another. Um, so I can hopefully reinvigorate that series, but it's just a good example of making some bad artistic and business decisions and then beating myself to death over it instead of stepping back and going, actually what happened, what went wrong. Right. Um, and I got a more recent example of that kind of almost going the other direction. <clears throat> I started a uh, started a new job this year, earlier this year, and it's very time consuming. It's a very, very demanding job, uh, which has made it really, really hard to write and um, create and do the things I need to do for my author business. Uh, that was part of actually one of the sneaky reasons I wanted to do the podcast because I and I've talked about it before. It gave me a, a little bit of, it gives me a little bit of a, a, a re-jump in the middle of the week. But I was really struggling this year to write as much as I should. And earlier in the year, I gave myself a bit of a pass because I was having some issues with the carpally, tunnely, cubitally, tunnely things. And until I was able to get that tested and find out that it was, uh, you know, moderate and minor, um, I was trying to be careful. So I don't, so I can look at that one with my business brain and go, that's okay. I, I was just making sure that's, that was probably a smart move to, to go easy till I got that figured out. But even once I did and I started actually writing again, it was still very slow. And I always went back to, well, it's just I, my time is so limited and this job is so demanding and I just don't have that much time. And then we did an interesting thing a month ago. We decided to participate in NaNoWriMo. 
And I thought, there's just no way in heck I can actually do the 50,000 words for NaNoWriMo. It's just not going to happen. I don't have the time. I, I just There's just no way, right? Um, but an interesting thing happened. And I don't even know if I've said this on the podcast, but at the end of the month of November, I did not make the 50,000 words. I wrote 71,000 words. I wrote almost an entire novel's worth of words last month. And so then my huzzah. business, right, yeah, that's, that's, that's incredible, Phil. Well done. Yeah. Well, so then I have to, but again, putting the emotion aside and going to that business person in my brain, right? That, that manager in my brain goes, okay, you did that. You did that on the same schedule you've been on. So what was different? How did you find the time to do it? Right. And then how do we carry that forward? <clears throat> and what's interesting, again, catching myself in my own fault flaws is I told myself I was going to keep that momentum going and I have written almost every day, but I have not hit that same volume in the month of December so far. So again, I've got to take the emotion out of it. You know, I got to take the emotion out of being excited about my 71,000 and, and really look at that and go, what were the things that made me, that drove me to do it, right? What did I actually sacrifice to do it? What kept me motivated? What kept me going? And what's not there now? What's different this last couple of weeks um, that's keeping me from, from doing those things? So that's sort of the other side of it too, right? Is tempering your excitement and being proud of yourself and some accomplishment to be able to still also look at that accomplishment logically and figure out how to plan around it moving forward, right? Yes, exactly right. Well, you know, my immediate thought would be, what 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 are your goals then? I mean, you you had this amazing month in, in November, and you you know, obviously it's because you were trying to achieve a a certain word count, and you overachieved that. But what was your what's your goal? You know, is it to to finish this novel by the end of the year, January, February? You know, what was what was what's what was driving you to continue to make to, to make that same word count in December, I guess is my question. Wow, okay, okay, that's fair. Just because just because you felt so proud of yourself in November or I think it was um I think I was I, I was writing high from doing that, sure, but it was more about okay, you proved to yourself that with way less time you could do it. How can you carry it forward? Go carry it forward, right? Yeah. Like keep on the schedule, keep doing it, right? Because I don't, so the thing is, is like, as far as like pure writing, creating new, I don't really get burnt out on that. Like I can just do that, right? Um, in fact, the more I can keep myself to that fire, the more I'll produce and the faster I'll produce. Um so it was really like, how do I, how do I turn what I did in November into a really good habit moving forward is actually, I think where I was probably going with that Shane. But the other thing too, is I have to figure out like, okay. And this goes into the very next thing I, I wanted to talk about even. Um, and that is on the, how do you get everything done though? Right? So the NaNoWriMo month, I was producing words like crazy, but there's more to this business than producing words, isn't there? So I also have editing projects I need to get done. I've got marketing things I've got to do. I've got a podcast and everything, right? So we managed to make the podcast work last month. I managed to get all the words done. Some of the editing work took a back seat. So part of it now for building a good habit is, you know, maybe the word count doesn't need to be as strong, 
but I need to get the editing and the other pieces I need to do in there with it, right? And you think about like, well, there's just not enough time to do everything, right? And part of the point of the podcast is, you know, we're about trying to gear you up to be a future bestseller, right? Like we're trying to help get everybody the tools they need to go achieve their dreams, right? Well, there's a lot more to it than just writing and editing. There's thing, other things we need to know, right? If you're going the traditional path, you need to know how to write your query letters. You need to know who to send those query letters to. You need to know what tools you can use. You need to know what slush piles you can submit to. If you're going down the indie path, you need to understand the self-publishing formula. You need to... Uh, you need to understand how marketing, how uh, like ads work and marketing and that sort of a thing. And you go, well, how do I, how do I approach all of that? And so one tip that a couple of tips, I just want to throw out a couple of things, right? I'll, I'll, I'll give one of the tips and then we can all talk about it and then I'll throw the next one out and see if anybody else has any others. So, so one thing for that specifically is as a writer and a business person, because you are a business person and your art is your business, especially if you're here, because that's sort of the point. You have to figure out how to do the writing and you have to figure out how to do the editing. And if you do outlining, you got to figure out how to do all of that on a schedule, right? You got to kind of figure out how to be productive, keep the machine rolling, right? But then there's other things that you're going to have to learn. So my suggestion would be to take those things, like say, for example, um, you want to learn about having, you want to have the best website possible. Okay. So what you do is you set aside some time specifically to study that. And you sort of, you go, this is what I want to achieve. This is how I'm going to achieve it. And you go learn and you go play around and then you figure out what you need to do and you optimize that and you build a process that makes it super quick. So in the future, it's easy for you to do. And then you pick the next topic you need to go study and learn. You know, having people around you that can point you in a direction that can provide resources, that can give advice, that can show you shortcuts that can optimize your time that might even be willing to trade different things for different, you know, maybe someone will set up the website for you and you offer to do some editing services for them. Um, I, I think this is a good opportunity for people to really consider cultivating a community building a network around them of people that they can trust that are doing the job that they want to do. Um, and, you know, reaching ahead to people who are already where they want to be and asking, how did they get there? And then listening to the answers. So you have to be willing to have an open mind and listen to what other people are telling you and then implement the advice that you find pertinent to your situation. Yeah, Julie, I, I completely agree. It's very rare in this industry um, that someone can do this all by themselves. I mean, there are certain few out there that can. They're, just, they're a natural talent, and they're they're gonna they're gonna achieve their goals very easily. But most of us need help, right? And by building ourselves, you know, getting involved in the writing community, making friends, supporting each other, being there for each other, working together, things get a little bit easier for sure. Going back just real quick to, to your opening remarks, Phil, I mean, recognizing your own weaknesses and essentially asking, asking for help, right? Finding those weaknesses yeah. within yourself, being honest with yourself, and then finding those people that can fill those holes for you.
Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, so another strategy I think that people should consider as they're setting out their goals for the new year. Um, and this one, I never thought about doing something this way until we did the podcast. Um, so when we decided to launch the podcast, I had heard, uh, I'd heard this thing and it was from, um, the guy's name is Sam Parr. He has a podcast called my first million. And I think it was on there where I heard it. And he basically said, whenever he has a new idea that he wants to pursue, um, he'll kind of marinate on it for a little bit, I guess, and make sure that it's something he really wants to go do. But when he's sure, and he's like, I'm going to go do this. Like he sort of comes up with a plan on how he's going to implement whatever. And then he basically says, I'm going to do this until this date. And he puts a, a date on there. He's like, I'm not going to allow myself to second guess it. If there are any huge changes that I have to make, I'll make them, but I'm not really going to make any changes and I'm not going to stop and I'm not going to back off until I hit this date. And that's when I'm going to sit down with myself and decide um, if I, if I'm going to continue this idea or if it's, you know, if it's a bust or, or whatever. So I'd heard that uh, right around the time we were getting ready to launch the podcast. And I thought, well, let's try that. I, I don't know if it would make a difference to me mentally or not. Uh, but we did the same thing, right? And we said, okay, we want to get the 20, we want to get past 20 episodes. We want to make sure we pass that marker. So uh, the date we set was actually December 8th. So that was just a few days ago. Um, and that's what we did, right? We, we did not, we agreed um, JH and Chris and I, all, all three of us agreed, like we're, you know, we're all in. And now obviously, um, you know, major things happen sometimes. I've never ever actually mentioned it, but basically Chris took a new job that causes, is, has forced him to have to work a lot of evenings, which is why he hasn't been on with us in a while. Um, and why he randomly pops in when he can. Um, but effectively we agreed we were going to go no holds barred on this thing at least until December 8th. We couldn't quit until December 8th. We couldn't make any huge major changes until December 8th, right? And it actually it actually did make a difference because what ended up happening is every time something every time I would feel discouraged or like ah there's not that many people listening or man this eats up my whole Wednesday or whatever, I would just go nope, can't I can't we can't have this discussion until December 8th. I have to stay, stay the course until December 8th. And then we'll sit down and figure out what we want to do. Right. And, uh, all of a sudden, you know, all those months later, it popped up on my phone. I wasn't even expecting it. I was sitting here at my desk. I think I was writing and my phone went off and I looked over and it said, you know, December 8th. Um, now you can think about if you still want to do the podcast, right. So is there a way you can use that going into your goals for next year? Is there things that you want to do that you can put a date on and say, I'm going to stay this course until this date, and then I will assess whether it's what I really want to be doing. Well, I mean, it sounds like it worked for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. It worked great you, for this. You had some lulls, you had some lulls and you were considering quitting and, but you had your goal and you forced yourself to make it to December 8th and, and you've decided to continue the podcast. Yeah, we had a board meeting. Yeah. Yep. That was the first item we voted on. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound to me like it would fit something that you're trying out for the first time. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know how it would work as far as like being an author. So like I'm currently working on my 20th novel. I think I'm, I know at this point that I want to write books. So giving myself that sort of timeline to decide if I want to keep writing books doesn't make a lot of sense. But I feel like if you'd applied it to new things you're trying as an author, like right. this certain marketing strategy or um, you know whatever it is you're trying out, then yep. I can see that working better. Yep, I agree. I mean, obviously, if you're a newbie author trying to figure out if you want to write books, then yeah, <laughs> you can try that and see if it's for you. <laughs> I find that so interesting because I feel like I use a version of this for everything in my life. Like I've conducted my entire life that way. It's just been a series of, I'm going to do this until in constant reassessment to make mm -hmm. sure that that's working for me. And this is what I want to do. And that's just sort of how I've run my whole life. Um, so it works. I'm doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You should try it. <laughs> well, that's, well, that's the thing, right? And that's why, um, you know, again, going back to that conversation that we have to have with ourselves, right? It, it's part of um, understanding what works for you, right? Because not everything is going to work the same for everyone the same way, right? So it's like when you go to sit down and make these goals for next year or for next month or for whatever, right? It's you always start with what am I trying to achieve, right? And then understanding who you are and how you how you function to things. And if you can get to a level of, of understanding, when are you making your own excuses to yourself? I think that's really the key one. When can you I, when you can you call out the difference accurately between being hard on yourself and calling out yourself for your own excuses? Indeed. All right. Anyone have any of their own goal setting strategies that they would like to share? Everyone at once. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I always set goals for myself and I, I just don't quit until I, I achieve them. I've never really put a time to it. So this conversation has been interesting for me. I've never put it. I very rarely say I need to do something by a certain date. Um, but I most definitely, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do this and I'm going to keep at it until I get it done. And that's always been my way. Um, certainly my takeaway would be to consider, you know, timeframes, maybe that, that might help me, could help me in my writing. You know, I want to finish my novel by the end of this year or by June next year and mm -hmm. figure out what it is I need to do to, to achieve that, to attain that that goal, right? That could be something that for me, right? Yeah. So I would add as far as um, how to do that, I would definitely choose some sort of calendar or planning software. Um, I use Asana and I've recently started using Notion um, thanks to one of my new jobs. Um, so what that allows you to do is if you're tracking what you're doing every day and for writing, you know, you can be, you know, how many words are you getting a day or how much time are you spending on it a day? So what that allows you to do is look back and see like which, what were your better writing days? Like maybe every Tuesday is really good for some reason and you can capitalize on that. And then you can also look at that, you know, per month. And then also how much did you get done 
throughout the year. And is that your normal? Is that a fluke? And over time, you can figure out what those patterns are and actually come up with what your own personal habits are, what works for you, and then make a really well-informed plan going forward based on that. Since we're talking about end of year and coming into a new year, maybe a bit on a more of a personal level, I wanted to put a couple, two words out there, selective caring. I want everybody to consider going into the new year that you don't have to care about everything. Consider what you're expending your mental energy on. And if you don't have to care about it, then don't care about it. This is a developing, this is a skill you can develop. It's something that you have to work on. But in the long run, you will be so much happier. Guys, I don't even match my socks because I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) There's dirty dirty dishes in my kitchen sink right now. I don't care. Yep. I have other things. Now, the, the dishes will get washed. I'll put on socks. Everything will be fine. But in the meantime, I've got writing to do. I've got kids to raise. I've got a job to go to. The next time somebody cuts you off in traffic, you don't consider the fact that you don't have to get mad about that. You don't have to care. So just really try to consider where you're expending your emotional energy in the days to come. And if it's not something that you need to care about, then I suggest you just don't, if at all possible. I love it. That's beautiful advice. Yeah, excellent. For sure. Everything is fine. Everything is fine. Everything is fine. fine. (laughs) You know, it's funny that you say that because for years, um, the catchphrase that our friend group has used for my husband and I has been, it'll be fine. Because that's what we always say. It'll be fine. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Pr- it's a good approach. Things have a way of working out. They really do. I was just going to say, Phil, it reminded me of the over the garden wall episode where Greg has like the, the dream sequence thing. And then like the little angel babies are singing about everything is nice and fine all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That show is so good. <laughs> oh, I love it. That kid, anybody who doesn't know what Jade is talking about, it's a show called Over the Garden Wall. You need to go watch it and just know that mm-hmm. Greg is my spirit animal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's who I want to be. I want to be that kid when I grow up. <laughs> so good. Um, yep. But no, Julie, I think that's a great point. And that's one that I know mm-hmm. I need to take into the new year with me. Um, like, we, sure. you know, one thing I've learned about myself that's become ever more apparent, and I don't know if it's just that now it's becoming more apparent to me or it's the fact I'm starting to become an old dude. But one thing like I know about myself for sure is um, if I don't eat somewhat okay and exercise at least every other day and write at least every other day, I will get into a funk for sure without fail Jage is nodding her head so hard right mm-hmm. now. And I'm just like, I'll just get in this. Cause I like, I'll just get in this weird thing. And it's like, I don't know. Like, what am I doing with my life? What's the point of any of this? This is dumb. Like I'm going to go live in, I'm going to go become a hermit, you know? Um, 
go live under a bridge. Jage, do you want to live under a bridge with me? You know, and she's like, no, stop being no. stupid. Go eat an apple and run a lap. Like, <laughs> <laughs> have a Snickers. Have a Snickers. Um, <laughs> but it's so true, though. Like, I'll get, I'll get in these funks, and actually, you know, where I think it became apparent is at my previous job. My previous job, um, my boss in particular, really dialed into it. And he could tell by like my tone and my mannerisms, like on our work calls and we would finish, like we'd finish a work call and he'd be like, Hey, Phil, can you stand for a second? I'd be like, yeah, sure. And you know, it'd be like 10 o'clock in the morning. Right. And you know, we're working from home and, and so I'd stand with him. He'd go, you, uh, when was the last time you wrote? And I'd be like, well, a few days ago, he'd be like the last time you, uh, uh, worked out and I was like, I'd be like, yeah, I don't know, a couple of three days and be like, yeah, I think you're done for today. Why don't you, uh, why don't you, uh, take a couple hours, go hit the weights for a little bit, run a few laps and, uh, write for an hour or something. And then, uh, see if you're human again, you know? <laughs> so it's like, I just know, right. Like I just have to stay on top of that. Right. That's an understanding boss. Yep. Yeah. That, that reminds me of the, the new, um, notion template i'm using it has like a um like a daily agenda you can create and at the very top it has a spot where you enter your three most important things for the day so it sounds like in your case those would be your three things just every single day and so long as you get those done you're good those are Everything the frogs i need to eat fill in the cracks yep yeah. those are my frogs all right uh one last one i got is it okay to is it okay to make super lofty goals that you don't think you'll actually be able to achieve within the time frame you set for yourself feel like that depends on your personality and how you approach it um so i feel like if it were me if i created this really big goal like that could be very discouraging if like uh if I had this goal and I didn't meet it, because even with like my smaller goals, like if I fall behind on like my word counts, like I know like how grumpy that makes me until I take a yeah. step back and like, okay, let's reassess. So if I had that sort of big thing, I feel like that would just make all of that even worse. So I feel like if you're my type of personality, probably not. If you're a different type of personality and that works for you, go for it. I think for some people, lofty goals are good. Yeah. Cause, cause it, it, it drives them. Like if it, if they have this, even if it's an unattainable goal, but they, they work extra hard, they, they can drive themselves and they keep pushing themselves towards that goal, whether it's attainable or not, they're going to find some level of success. I think for some people it's okay. But like, like JH is saying too, it could, it's, I, I don't think it's for everybody either. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm people. I set unattainable goals. So, but I know that when I set them, Yeah. I, I, I told my boss at my day job when he, my boss started a month after I did, I've been at my current job for about a year and a half. And we had a meeting shortly after he started. And I told him that I had a lot of goals for my department and that some of them were unattainable. And he wanted to know what my unattainable goals were. And I told him that they were to never receive a phone call and to never write a physical check. And I've gotten, I've almost gotten the phone calls down to none. I think I get maybe one every eight weeks or so. 
And I write about 10 checks a week, which is down from about 80 checks a week. Physical checks. Yeah. So, and I have some other things that I, I have goals that I set for myself. And as far as my writing life goes, one of my catchphrases for myself is there's no point in aiming low. Yeah. Why aim low? So... I set on a, what I consider to be are probably unattainable goals, but I'm going to go and try. I'm going to check it out. The first time I ever went to superstars, I thought, well, I'm going to another state by myself to hobnob with people. I don't know. And it may be a complete waste of my time. And I may decide that I don't have the chops for this. And here I am on a podcast with two people. I met the first day, <laughs> the first session at superstars there's no point in aiming low, not in my world. So I think the difference is knowing these goals I'm not actually going to attain, but they're worth shooting for as high as I could go. And these are attainable. I'll get these. So I have a slightly different take on it. Um, I guess maybe even than anybody said, it's very slightly different. Uh, and that I, I have an oddball and I overthink things sometimes. Um, I mean, first of all, very clearly, your goal setting, again, goes back to, um, and that's why that's why I started the, the conversation with the super hard in the paint thing about, you know, talking to yourself like a, like a business person, managing yourself effectively, right? Because that's the first thing this comes back to, right? What suits your brain? And if you don't know, try something mm-hmm. and see what works. Um, mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong, I think, with, like, you start every... Every business transaction in the world basically starts with what are you trying to achieve, right? So when you go to set the goal, if you're like, I want to write 500,000 words next year. Okay, why? What are you trying to achieve with those 500,000 words? Like, well, I want to finish more books. Okay, cool. Um, Some people I have found need to have some easy starter goals that they can, some of the low hanging fruit that they can knock off and feel better about themselves. Right. This is, this is goes along with like when debt reduction is like sort of like the snowball effect, right. You or the snowball strategy or whatever they call it, you know, where you, you may not knock out the ones that actually have the highest interest, but you knock out the ones that are the lowest, just so you reduce how many places you're paying debt to. So you play a little mental chess with yourself, right. If that's your, your personality type. Okay, fine. Make some easy goals to knock out. Right. And then, you know, have a realistic goal. What's a realistic goal that you can achieve if you work really hard? Okay, maybe that's the real goal you want, but then you set the super lofty goal to see if you can go past it, right? Can I get up to here? And if I if I come to the end of the year and I haven't made it up there, have I at least made the real goal I wanted, right? And I like to tr- I like to track every step along the way. I like to sometimes you know, I'll make multiple goals within the same goal or objective, whichever way it's supposed to work in project management. I can never be bothered to pay attention. Um, yeah. It's okay to have multiple, right? It's okay to... That's an excellent point. They're like, sure, they're like Russian nesting dolls. Like you have your overall goal <laughs> and then inside of that, all your steps to get to the goal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's how that works. Right. And if that final step is unachievable, well, maybe... Maybe what you'll learn is that it was, in fact, unachievable, but you got a hell of a lot further than you thought you could have. Right. 
and the things you learn will help you towards your next goal. Well, in our business too, I mean, you're going to need a little bit of luck along the yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. You're definitely going to need some luck, but yeah. really, I mean, I guess that's sort of the whole point of the podcast, right? That's what it's about, right? Is how do you create the situation so that when the luck comes, you can capitalize yeah. on it. I've always believed the best luck comes with the hardest of work. So. All right. I think, um, final thoughts. No, this was great, Phil. It was. Yeah. I agree. And everybody out there that's listening, just uh, yeah. be real with yourself and be careful where you expend mm-hmm. your energy and have a great year. Yeah, for sure. Um, and let's all hope for Julie that someday she gets better internet. <laughs> <laughs> I live in the middle of nowhere. Um, it's not likely to happen. Everybody buy my books <laughs> next year and I can afford Starlink. There you, go. there you go. That's what we're on right now. It's really good. It's really good. All right, Julie, do you want to say your goodbyes? Tell the peoples where to find you. Sure. You can find me at juliejones.net and on the Facebooks and the Instagrams. I'm technically on Twitter, but I don't ever go there. So, yeah, I will have a series of weird Westerns coming out next spring. The first one is titled Blood Follows Blood. And it's pretty exciting stuff. I'm really excited for everybody to to dig in and read it. Nice. Mr. Shane Eason. Yeah, you can find me at shaneeason.com. I'm hoping to have a novel out next year with, uh, I guess, with a little bit of that luck, if it so goes. And yeah, you can probably also find me. I use Twitter more than anything else. No, you really do you? I do. Yeah. You don't use any you don't use any of the social medias really though. <laughs> Very rarely. The, the, out of the ones that I'll use, I use Twitter the most. That's the one that uh I don't know. That's the one that I've always gone to, I guess. That that was like the first one that I ever I ever picked up on, and that's usually the one that I've always gone to. So let's be clear though, when he says that's the one he uses the most, what he means is he logs into Facebook once a year and he logs into Twitter twice a year. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably smart. <laughs> I didn't say was it. Yeah, no, Shane's uh, Shane's brilliant. And in case anybody didn't pick up on it, there was a reason I invited both Julie and Shane for part of this conversation because I knew they would have wonderful insights. Um, and I'm very glad that they did. Thank you. JH, you want to say your goodbyes? Sure. Um, you can find me at jhfleming.net. I'm on all the social medias as jhfleming. Um, you can find my band, Wildwood Minstrels, on all the music places. Um, we have a band camp page where you can find our physical album. And I guess by the time this airs, since we're not coming back until January, um, I will officially be really getting my Patreon and coffee accounts going. So for those who don't know, those are um, sites where I'll be offering like exclusive content. Um, You can follow for free, but um, they also have paid tiers if you want more exclusive content that you can't get anywhere else, like short stories and sneak peeks at novels and that sort of thing. Very nice. And I am Philip Dreyer Duncan, philipdreyerduncan.com. Book things. Go buy the Blade Major here. It's going to be on sale between Christmas and what does it go on sale? It goes on sale on Christmas Day, and it will be on sale until the 1st. I think it will not be on sale on the 1st, but going right up to it. 99 cents, people. Get on that. All right. Um, 
Julie, Shane, thank you so much for joining us spur of the moment tonight to have this wonderful conversation. I knew you guys would be awesome for it. And you were. Thank you for inviting oh, us. Thanks for having Appreciate me. It's it. great. Yeah, thanks for coming. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So from us to you, dear listener, have a super wonderful holiday season. And we wish you the best of luck on your goals. And hopefully some of us will be bestsellers next year. <laughs> and we'll see you then. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Why is it not stopping? <laughs> oh, because I hit the wrong button. <laughs>